0: Welcome. You're listening to Senior Living Foresight, the podcast for increasing occupancy, reducing turnover, and creating positive cultures. Our podcast is brought to you by Connected Living, an easy-to-use enterprise platform that supports in-room engagement and connects residents, families, prospects, and staff through a private online network. I'm your host, Pam McDonald.
1: Steve Moran here with Senior Living Foresight. And once in a while, you have one of these serendipitous moments where you learn something that's completely different than what you thought you knew. And that is the genesis for this conversation. I am talking to Cheryl Wilson, who is in charge of the St. Paul's PACE program out of the San Diego area, correct? Yes. So let's start with actually who and what St. Paul's is.
2: Well, thank you. Yes, I'm Cheryl Wilson. I'm the CEO of St. Paul's Senior Services. And St. Paul's PACE is one of our entities that comes under the umbrella of senior services. We've been around for 60 years in San Diego. We do everything from residential living to assisted living, memory care, skilled nursing, senior day program, child care, infants through six years, memory care, assisted living, and PACE, of course. And that's what we will, I wanted to talk to you about today.
1: Terrific. And so let's start with actually an overview of what PACE does. I think that probably most people who are watching, listening, reading have at least heard of PACE, but maybe don't really know what it does, what it's designed to do, and that kind of thing. So let's start with that.
2: Yeah, PACE is an acronym which stands for Program of All-Inclusive Care for the Elderly. And it is truly all-inclusive. So we take a person who is very frail, financially very poor and has probably on average across the nation in the PACE programs anywhere from 11 to 15 comorbidities. And chronic diseases, on average 16 different medications per day. And so they are very frail and on the edge all the time. And so it's a challenge to take care of these folks because if the arthritis doesn't get you, then the heart disease will, or the high blood pressure will, or the arthritis from the kidney failure because of the diabetes, or it's a multi case scenario. But what happens with PACE? And what I found, I'm a nurse, and what I found is that the medical care is about 40% of taking care of these people. The other 60% is the social component of health care. And that includes housing, that includes housekeeping, that includes putting grab rails in the bathroom if the person needs it. That includes putting a ramp on the front door if they live in a mobile home and they can't, in their wheelchair bound they can not get in or out. We take care of whatever they need, transportation, meals, housekeeping, home care to come into the home, nurses to come in and give insulin injections every morning, coming in five days a week to get physical therapy with no caps. It can be 52 weeks a year they get physical therapy every day and that keeps them able to live at home, able to get in and out of the bed in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. We provide them with DME also, like a commode chair or walkers, electronic wheelchairs, whatever it is the person needs to be able to stay at home as independent as possible and able to stay out of a skilled nursing facility. That is the goal of the program. Although every one of these people every one of these seniors is eligible for skilled nursing and they have to be certified by the state of California or whatever state the, the PACE program is in. They have to be certified as eligible for skilled nursing. So how do you pay for all that? Well, you pay for it by a combination of Medicare and Medi-Cal or Medicaid. So here in California, 30% of the reimbursement comes from the feds, that's Medicare, and 70% comes from Medi-Cal or the state. Now we know that in the state, 50% of Medi-Cal is paid by the state and 50% is subsidized by the feds. So in fact, the feds pay for the majority of this program. But that way, the senior doesn't have to pay for anything. So you get somebody who's living on six, eight, nine hundred dollars dollars a month Social Security. In San Diego, you can't even get a room to rent for that. And then if you have to pay your Medicare copay and or your food and, oh, by the way, your prescription drugs, They're not making it, but they come into PACE and all of a sudden we provide for everything that they need. And then all they have to pay for is their housing and their gas and electric bill, but we provide them with all their medications, transportation, food, housekeeping, everything that they need to be living at home successfully. That's what we do.
1: So are there limitations to the number of older people who can sign up for PACE in a given geographic area or is it just anybody who meets the need of skilled nursing and being poor?
2: Well, each PACE program is allowed to have, they apply for and receive permission to serve certain zip codes. So if the zip code changes from one side of the street to the other and you have a potential client on one side, yes, they can come into PACE. But if the zip code changes on the other side and they have their friend lives across the street, the friend cannot come into PACE unless PACE gets, applies for and, and gets that zip code also. It's quite a process to get zip codes, so most PACE programs try to get as many zip codes as they can. However, you are restricted by the amount of time that a senior can have to be on the bus to come in from their home to the PACE center. The standard rate is they can't be on the bus more than an hour. We shoot for no more than 45 minutes to 50 minutes because you know, if you're elderly and you're sitting on a bus 45 minutes one way and 45 minutes back, that's a long journey if you're an elderly person. So we try to keep it well under 45 minutes, and those are our PACE.
1: So do they have to come to the PACE program or the physical location?
2: Well, prior to COVID, that was the general idea, that everybody came into the pay Center, they got some rehab, they saw the doctor or the dentist or the podiatrist or the nutritionist or the social worker, and while they were waiting for those appointments, they would be in the day center, and in the day center, they would have activities and sing karaoke and have a nice lunch and have a snack, maybe attend chapel services, arts and crafts, all kinds of really cool stuff. And they loved that because otherwise they were just stuck in their house watching TV all day. And so to come to the center and see their friends and some of them said, would say, oh, I only want to come on Tuesday and Thursday because that's when my friends are there. Or no, I need to come every day because I need the therapy to get strong in my legs or whatever. I don't want to fall again. So every person was assessed differently. But the center was the hub. That was before COVID.
1: And of course, now I assume you don't have, everything's having to be delivered in their homes.
2: Yeah, we shut down very early March and started taking all the service. We just flipped everything and started taking everything out to the residents in the community. However, some of them still needed to see doctors and get more intense care. And so we took one of our vans and put the nurses, they're very creative. They put some shower curtains and put it over all the windows and created what we called a roving clinic. And so there'd be a doctor, a nurse practitioner, a driver, who was usually a CNA, and out they'd go and make uh, 10 to 12 stops a day, visiting patients that were really sick and needed to see a doctor, needed to have eyes on. And we were already doing telehealth, and that was great. But when the patient really needed, the doctor really needed to listen to those lungs or look at those feet or whatever... Then the roving clinic went out, and it's been hugely successful. So successful, in fact, that we are going to be continuing that even after huh, we hope COVID goes away.
1: How many people do you serve now?
2: We serve over a thousand people, and we have three full full-paced centers across the county, and two what we call alternative care, three alternative care sites. So we pretty much blanket the county now.
1: Gotcha. And your physicians work for you full time?
2: They are employees of St. Paul's.
1: Okay, terrific. So the thing, the big surprise that I had was that I didn't think that PACE programs ever paid for housing, but apparently they will pay for assisted living or supplement their Social Security. Can you talk to me a little bit about that?
2: Sure. Well, one of the things is that you cannot come into a PACE program unless you have an address. So we serve a very large uh, homeless group of people, seniors, and, but we can't actually enroll them into PACE until we get them an address. So that was one of the areas that we started looking at well, how could we provide housing for these people. And what we did there, because PACE is not allowed to provide housing, that is not in the plethora of benefits that are available. So the idea was that we serve people so they can stay in the community in their own homes, whether that's a mobile home or an SRO or wherever but when you're homeless, you don't have a home. So we started partnering with the developers and they were building the buildings and we were finding the seniors who were homeless and putting them in the buildings. And the developer, the housing developer would get vouchers for the building. So the senior would pay 30% of whatever their income was. And then we would come in and wrap them in the PACE services. And so they would get all the supportive care. And it's been a hugely, hugely successful program. So in looking at that, we thought, hmm, there are people who cannot live at home anymore, either because of their dementia Or because they are just physically unable, their their disease processes just engulf them and they cannot live at home successfully and be safe. So we started talking to assisted living facilities about, okay, we can't provide the home, the room and board, but we can alternate If they were living at home, we would be sending out a home care person and a housekeeper person and a driver to pick them up and we'd be sending in their meals and things. So if you, the assisted living facility, will provide the room and board, then we can pay you for what your care fee is. So your CNAs to check on the people, to give them a shower, to make sure they eat properly, to check their weights once a week, to take their blood pressure when we ask you to, to make sure they get their medications on time and in the right dose. Okay, we will pay for all that because we're doing that in the home anyway. So you become the home and all of those services now, we're going to contract with you for those services. So let's say the room and board is $500, round figures and the care component is $600 then the total is 1100 but we only pay the 600 the room and board, the senior pays. That's the five hundred. So we're not violating any of the pace rules or regulations, and we help the senior to live a very comfortable life.
1: That's really terrific. Although I will tell you, and the thing that the one that sort of got me started, it seemed like the total dollars were quite a bit more, maybe three to four thousand dollars. So rent was probably eight hundred dollars, and the care service three thousand. Is that not typical? And that's here in the uh-huh. Sacramento area. I will tell you so.
2: Yeah, in the San Diego area, assisted living prices can range from three thousand depending on your level of care and how much care you need, yep. up to five, six thousand dollars. But the room and board fee doesn't change. Right. So if we have to pay more, so for example, if the room and board fee here is fifteen to eighteen hundred. With no services or very limited services in assisted living, which is where most people start out. And if it's a thousand or for the care services at that level, and then as the care services increase, we are responsible for those care, PACE is responsible for those care services. If the person was living at home alone in the suburbs and their care services increased, we would maybe even have to send somebody in there 24 hours a day. That's expensive. It is or expensive. we then make the decision to place them in skilled nursing. We have to pay for that skilled nursing the entire amount. Whereas if we put them in assisted living, we're only paying for the care fee. So uh-huh. as long as that person can remain in assisted living, even if their care level increases and we have to continue to pay more and more, it's still cheaper than placing them in skilled nursing.
1: That makes perfect sense. So do you have any sense at all how much money on a per person per month or per year basis it ultimately saves the system to do it this way than sort of the traditional medi medi where they'd be in and out of hospitals and skilled nursing?
2: I don't have the numbers off the top of my head. But on a regular basis, the PACE program is supposed to save the government 15%. So for example, if the normal care for somebody in a skilled nursing facility was 7,000 or 10,000, we can only receive the amount of 15% less than that. That's kind of a blanket thing across the country. That's what I was
1: looking for, yeah. yeah
2: different states handle it differently, but that's basically the federal and state governments want to know that they are saving money by having somebody not be in a skilled nursing facility and being in a PACE program.
1: This is so fascinating. So if I were a senior, if I were an assisted living operator, how would I plug in with a PACE program to be available to the PACE members, residents? What's the right term? Participants. Participants, sorry, participants. What would be the right way to plug in with my local PACE program?
2: Well, first of all, you have to find out if there's a PACE program in your area. Remember, they cannot go out of their zip codes. So if your facility happens to fall within the zip code of a PACE program in your location, then you just call them up and you ask if you can come, well, meet with them or meet via Zoom now and talk to them about a partnership where you, the assisted living provider, could provide the room and board. And they would pick up the care fees. And you have four vacant rooms. You could take four PACE people in right now. And as more rooms open up, you could serve more PACE people. I have to tell you, though, we don't like to place seniors, unless they have to be placed. We preferred them to be as independent as possible for as long as possible. But when they need that care, we would much rather place them in an assisted living than in In a skilled nursing facility. You
1: bet. You bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. I understand that the goal of PACE is to keep people at home rather than in a institution doesn't sound like quite artfully the right term, but in a congregate setting so that makes perfect sense to me. This is great. I really appreciate it. I have learned some stuff. I think our readers, watchers will learn some things from this. And so, Cheryl, I'm hugely, hugely grateful for your taking the time to talk to me about this today.
2: You're very welcome. It's my pleasure. And I love PACE. It's the healthcare model of the future and It should be embraced for all different populations, for children, for chronically ill at all ages, as well as for seniors. So thank you for chatting with me and I appreciate you giving me a call.
0: Thank you for listening. Be sure to check out our partner, Connected Living, a communication platform that connects residents, families, prospects, and staff through a private online network. And Timmy, their personal assistive robotics platform visit their website at connectedliving.com or email them at engage at connectedliving.com.